got to, I've got to sit down. Ooh. Play the game or leave the bed. Oh, well. Your mashed potato, jacket potato, boiled potato, dauphinoise potato, parmiantere potato, all these things that do with potatoes, just cut them, fry them, and stop putting truffle and origami on and all that. In this world, this beat that walk and beat that talk and beat that stuff and the greatest feat of the feet you eat. Hello there, you soaking soggy sausages. It's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 215. Hello, it's another Friday, isn't it? And what a better way to start a Friday off than a Spanish tortilla. And everybody knows I love a breakfast burrito, but today I did the Spanish tortilla. I julienned very, very thin mandolin, the onions, and then some beautiful potatoes, lots of eggs. Now, the flipping over of the tortilla, that's basically a very thick omelette with potatoes and onions, uh, was a little tricky. I'm not the best uh, when it comes to flipping things over. Not one of my uh, not one of my skills, but it wasn't too burnt. I managed to ease it over onto a large plate and finding a plate large enough, I have to tell you, was very very tricky. But I managed to ease the tortilla over and uh, and cooked it on both sides and it's absolutely beautiful with a little bit of ketchup, a sprinkling of a red hot sauce a little bit of tabasco on there and you have yourself a wondrous friday breakfast really if you're in the mood for doing a podcast what better than a spanish tortilla to get you and the onions were golden brown as well it was it was pure heaven pure heaven to start the day and uh, that's what you need on a sort of uh, mid to late august day with the chill in the air in the morning you need some warm bronzed onions and some lovely, lovely potatoes, fluffy eggs in there, and you start the start the day off and start the uh, eve of the weekend off on the right. Now I needed cheering up. England weren't doing very well in the cricket, and uh, it was sort of an abysmal affair at Lords against South Africa. Basball not working, and I needed a need a slight pick me up. And the uh, and the Spanish tortilla uh, was uh, was a wonder, and I highly recommend it, especially if you have some. Uh, you know, potatoes just in the fridge there that aren't going to be used. What better than uh, reuse them, re sort of uh, reinvigorate them with, in, in a lovely omelette, and there you have it. I don't know about you, but we had here in Colorado quite a bit of flooding. There was a lot of water. Some of the rivers had burst their banks. It was a Noah's Ark sort of scenario going. I mean, and you almost expected the animals coming in two by two. Which animal would you pick? I mean, you might want some good swimmers, so maybe a whale, maybe maybe an otter, maybe an aggressive crocodile. I mean, I've got my dogs here. Uh, they would obviously be coming onto the ark with me, along with my Spanish tortilla, in case you get a little bit peckish at the top of Mount Ararat before the rainbow arrives. Yes, I know my biblical stories. I mean, people probably think I'm a heathen, uh, maybe slightly satanic, but yes, I do know 
my uh, my biblical stories very very well. Was it Mount Ararat? I think it was Mount Ararat. Um, but uh, but it was almost uh, apocalyptic, wasn't it? The, the rain after all that dry weather all around the world. I think they have it in the UK as well. And I sang like the the ground was readying itself, cracking, readying itself for an absolute deluge of water coming our way. Uh, we survived. Uh, it's it's nice and cool in the mornings. That beautiful chill of an early late or early autumnal late summer morning when about sort of 55 60 degrees i needed to pop on my little gelée or vest you call it in america but don't you just prefer i love i love the term gelée nobody would know what it means uh, in america they'd probably think it's some sort of razor it's a posh form of the gillette razor it's le gelée but really, it's just a sleeveless vest that everybody's wearing in Silicon Valley, isn't it, really? I want to see myself as like a little weekend warmer. I'm the warmer plate for your weekend. I'm going to keep you nice and toasty before the heat of the weekend hits. This is the uh, Friday podcast for you. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Slip yourself into the podcast mitten and we'll keep you warm till Saturday. I'm giving myself a very luxurious treat. I have some new slippers. Maggie the Corgi's chewed up the old slippers. I tried to put them on. Firstly, you've got soaking wet insoles from a very sloppy tongue. Uh, so that's not going to work. And then she's chewed part of the insole, so it's very, very uncomfortable. Uh, part of the slipper now has an insole part where it's uh, completely been ripped out and gutted. So I've got some new slippers. I know it's August, and you're thinking, well, that's sort of a Christmas treat. But these are very, very fluffy, warm slippers. And I mean, I like to see myself. I'm the podcast equivalent to uh, probably an older slipper, but with still that softness inside. An old, familiar slipper that you slip your toes in, you slip your little tootsies in there every week, twice a week. And it's incredibly comfortable, incredibly warming. There's no verrucas to be found. You'll never catch athletes that because... Let's face it, on this podcast, we're not very athletic. Um, but yeah, the, the warmish slipper, the fluffiness of the slipper, moving my toes around, like giving it a little bit of a fluffy massage as I'm speaking to you on the podcast. It is a perfect start to the weekend. I just have to remember to keep these out of the way because I've got a, a vicious corgi that will certainly chew up the rest of these slippers. Coming along the way on the podcast, these are things that we may or may not be discussing during the course of the next hour on the podcast. Also, burps, body noises in songs. Yes, if anything but classy on this show, anything but classy, a parade of a thousand body noises in songs. Which songs have body noises? Immediately comes to mind is uh, Angel Eyes, Home and Away, Wet, Wet, Wet. He, uh, Marty Pello burps in the song. Yes, he actually, he lets rip, he burps, in the middle of the song, I played it on a few weeks ago, didn't I, Angel Eyes, on the uh, Butler Emporium playlist. But songs with burps and farts in the mix, we'll be talking about that as well. I actually prefer brown eggs, but the other day I had a box of brown eggs and there was a solitary white egg amongst the brown. And, I, and I'm and i just sort of questioning, I, I think I prefer the taste of a brown egg, but there was one solitary white egg. What uh, was going on there? Have you taken your kettle on holiday with you? I often take my kettle on holiday with me because everybody laughs about that. I saw this, there was a note on Twitter, uh, a lady in the British media, British, British broadcasting, put aside, it said, 
you know, am I sad taking my kettle away on vacation, on holiday? Well, if you're in America, of course, the kettles weren't invented until 2004 over here, I don't think. These are electric kettles, not the ones you put on the stove and you have to wait. You have to wait for probably the end of the eternity for the thing to whistle. But uh, you have to take your kettles because they don't have kettles in hotels. They just have very, very inferior coffee. The sort of uh, sort of coffee that tastes like some of the mud that was uh, washing up during the flooding the other day. That's how the coffee tastes in here. So, need to bring my tea along, and I need to bring my kettle. Yes, it's not it's not sad. Don't, no, don't say it's sad here. Also, um, I have a, a penchant for Scandinavian Nordic noir, as they call it, detective shows. We'll be talking about that later. But a rather unfortunate thing did happen. Uh, my love of the ginger biscuits, especially those with the essence of Jamaican ginger, which is the key to long living and long lasting virility people, the Jamaican ginger. Uh, Sheriffs on horses, I saw the other day. Some fine strapping sheriffs on horses. Uh, Do you have a horse as a comfort animal? I have a very strong preference at the moment for a lot of berries and dark fruit. Oh, I love the dark fruit berries, all sorts, blueberries, blackberries, if I can get black currants, even better, dark cherries, dark sour cherries. Also, is it is it safe for anybody to have beans, uh, kidney and baked beans uh, in a dish, in a chili dish, three days in a row? I don't think it is. I think there has to be some sort of environmental warning if you do have that. Uh, be very, very careful of red hot falafel. Tried it the other day. Uh, My mouth is still recovering. Have you ever had an incessantly squeaky shoe? Have you ever had speedy bone delivery? All of these things may or may not be occurring on the podcast. And uh, because of my age, but I'm, you know, a, a, a sprightly 45 years old. But I'm finding it's not just nighttime urination I need. It's sort of daytime urination. Maybe I drink too much tea. Onto the Yorkshire tea. I'm getting very good at squeezing those tea bags now and getting every last drop of Yorkshire gorgeousness out of the tea bag. But I'm finding my toilet breaks are ever so much more frequent. How are you? Know your face ever so well. Don't you long to find treasure on the beach? Ah, my heart. Ah, yes, I do. I do love and luster for. Finding treasure on the beach. I know my nephew Harry loved looking for treasures and fossils on the beach here. But a man was reunited with a message in a bottle he sent 27 years ago. The crew of volunteers were working their way along the shore in a bayou in southern Texas, picking up old beer cans and pieces of litter, when they stopped to pull out a glass bottle from the mud. It contained, clearly, Canadian sparkling water. But inside, there was a message scrawled on a piece of cardboard with four signatures and telephone numbers that no longer worked. The message in the bottle had been sent by four four, ten-year-old boys. It had not travelled across the ocean to far-flung shores, but only a few miles to another muddy part of La Marque near Galveston. But since it had been sent in the era the landline telephones had faded, four American presidents had left office and one of the friends who signed the message had died. It didn't travel 2,000 miles, but I was thrilled when I found it, says one of the members, Brian Stradifer, told the Washington Post. He said, I thought he had chucked the bottle with its message into the water in 1995, hoping it had been carried to the Gulf of Mexico. 
Think of the hurricanes and storm surges that have been in almost 28 years. Sadafa, who is now 38, works as a financial planner, 14 miles away. The noted simply, if you find this, please call with two phone numbers and instructions. If not, home, please leave it on the answer phone message. Beneath the note and blue pen, the forwards solemnly signed their names, Travis Kassler, Brian Stadifer, Drew Plask, Lance Klassler. Once the note had been sealed in its glass bottle and committed to the water, the four of them immediately forgot about it, Sadafer said. They had remained friends in the years since. A year and a half ago, uh, Travis Kassler died of a heart attack. When something like this happens, you think a lot about the fun times you had together. To see my handwriting and my friends' names was surreal and emotional things, especially since we lost Travis. The bottle had been found by Terry Pettijohn, a local volunteer. It was buried halfway down, he told local television station after several volunteers tried and failed to open up the cap they smashed the glass to retrieve the note though the numbers did not work when the note was posted on social media several people recognized Stadifer's name the note had been framed and Stadifer had said he'd given it to the city of Lamarque to hang in city hall where everybody can enjoy my chicken scratch handwriting I think if they found my note written in a sort of an ancient bottle of Perrier or something I think they would, uh, they would think that it was sort of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, probably. The amazing things you can find on Reddit. So a few weeks ago on the Butler Emporium Musical Edition playlist, where we play songs between my mumblings, we played Angel Eyes, Wet, Wet, Wet. And Marty Pello, in the middle of that song, does belch. So it made me think of songs with burps and farts in the mix. Yes, I'm still a 13-year-old boy, and I find these things very, very funny. So let's go down the list here. Let's, so are there any songs where the singer intentionally burps or farts in the song? I mean, or unintentionally, I think. You clearly hear a burp at the beginning of the Stooges' raw power. Uh, maybe EMI by the Sex Pistols. Eat the Rich by Aerosmith and Fat by Weird AI both have burps. Metallica, die, 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 my darling, burp at the beginning. EMI, the Sex Pistols, it's at three minutes and eight seconds, there's a burp. Isn't there a short little version of Remember Christmas that appears between some songs on Son of Schmielsen by Nielsen that has a burp on it? Lots of burps in Spike Jones songs. I'm guessing that any recording by Meatloaf has a fart in the mix, but it's inaudible. Weird Al, my Bologna. Uh, Alfred Newman's It's a Gas is the first one that comes to mind. John Lennon, I'm losing you with his creaky burp-like sound in the intro. More like a raspy groan. All right, we'll play John Lennon later. I mean, of all the songs on this list, that's probably the one I would want to play. Release Me, quite literally, by Stumpus Maximus and the good old boys. I'm made in Sheriff of Huddersfield and Still Life. The latter has a burp backwards. How can a burp be backwards? Isn't it the same... Is it more vociferous on the on the on the beginning and a little bit more sort of timpanized, silent at the bottom, I, I, you know, at the back end? Who knows? Big Buns. Well, you'd expect a band or a song called Big Buns have a good old rasping fart. Big Buns from good singing, good playing, Grand Funk Railroad, a long squeaky fart followed by laughter. Uh, Slade alive, darling to be home soon. Uh, Johnny Rotten burps at the start of Golden Palomino's The Animal Sparks. Beatles You Know My Name has a burp at the end. Sting says that weird discord at the start of Roxanne was his rear 
hitting piano keys, trying to cover up a fart. Rachel Burden, a BBC Five Live presenter in the UK, talked about apparently some people take their toaster or kettle on holiday with them. I mean, tea bags, I understand, maybe a pillow, but a kettle. And she asked, which household hardware goes on holiday uh, with you? Uh, and these are some of the responses. Glass chopping boards are an abomination. And I agree, a popper mug only if I'm not flying. Somebody brings a broadband router or router. Best idea I've ever had. Just bought a 4G router, some old Apple Airport Express routers and a Fire TV stick to France and the UK. Picked up a local SIM card as well. I, I take a travel kettle if I'm uncertain one will be provided. I also need to take a travel iron. We're currently in the Netherlands. I mean, you can never take a British... Here's the thing, a lot of people fall foul. Is uh, people moving from the UK to the US take a tea kettle with them. The uh, yeah, It's a completely different electricity current. from the So it never works. It's like bringing a hair straightener tongs with you. Not that I'm saying I've ever sort of hair strength tongs with me but it just doesn't work this is a more posher edition i've upgraded for my last and current holiday aeropress and delongi milk frother but really should have visited the pound shop beforehand to get extra teaspoons uh, most cottages have egg cups but impose a two teaspoon per person rule it took me it took me 20 years and my ex found some teacups it took me 20 years to find teacups in america so if you're coming to America and you like yourself a soft-boiled egg, because remember on former editions of the podcast, Americans detest a six-minute egg. I mean, theirs goes for more like 20 minutes, and uh, it's, uh, it's something you can cut the top off and then put uh, steak in there. It's like the big, uh, big green egg situation going on. Not the green egg you get as a pickled egg in a pub where the yolks of the eggs have gone slightly green. I mean, you need to avoid that, but Americans don't like the softboard eggs, so bring your egg cups with you whenever. But I mean, about the milk throffer, again, beware of the different currents and electricity here as well. But uh, they, ha- they only introduced, as I mentioned at the top of the show, tea kettles in the United States in 2005. Then, though, you'd have to put an old-fashioned iron kettle on the stove and it would take 20 minutes to boil and even below you'll be drying your shoes in the oven as well probably and uh, or, or your slightly moist damp chaps if you live in the southwest they'll be drying in the oven as well whilst you waited for the water to boil and I truly believe that Americans didn't invent the electric tea kettle until 2005 because the Boston Tea Party. They didn't want people drinking tea again. All that tea was wasted. He had been identified as the British drink, so they didn't want it. So if if it took you an aeon to boil your water for your tea, people would probably be put off tea or make really bad tasting tea, like the tea that begins with Val. Then nobody would drink it as well. It's a conspiracy theory, I tell you. So the bride who calls off wedding after groom cancels vegan food options a woman has been praised online for calling off her wedding after her fiance cancelled all of the vegan food options from the menu behind her back in a viral reddit post am i the ash forum user sarah jake 
outlined the alleged saga that left many pleading with her to see the giant red flags and get out before it's too late. My fiance, 31 male and 25 year old female, were getting married soon, she wrote in the original post. There wasn't much that we disagreed on during the wedding planning except for the food. Me and my family are vegans. And there are so many reasons why we chose this lifestyle. One of them being that we have a history of health issues. My fiance and his family are the complete opposite. They're hardcore meat eaters, which is fine by me, obviously. Obviously not because she's vegan. This is like a bloodbath wedding, wasn't it? And we're not talking about the rareness of the uh, nice filet mignon that he normally likes to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she said she wanted to add four or five vegan options to the menu, but her fiance objected saying it was a waste of money and it isn't real food. You'd think that they would, you know, you'd think that before they get to the point of wedding, maybe in dating on the first or second date, they realize that they're not compatible because he's slicing the rear end off a buffalo. I refused to argue about it and said it was final, she wrote. The other day I found out that we had cancelled all the vegan options and took them off the menu completely and behind my back I was seething. I called him at work but he kept hanging up on me. I went straight to his workplace and confronted him there and just flipped out on him. He was stunned to see me. He at first said that it was his mum's idea that he told me to go home because I was making a scene at the office. The woman described how the fight then continued at home where her fiancé defended himself by saying that I sort of made him resort to doing it after I kept brushing off his thoughts and input and refusing to accommodate his family. And there were plenty of meat options. Why can't I get four or five vegan options? When am I paying for it? He yelled. It was his wedding too. In a later update, she said her mother had messaged her to defend her son's decision, saying it was responsible to make sure because of my continual refusal to see this stuff as a waste of money. He also pointed out how I kept saying I paid for it and said technically this isn't just my money, it's mine and this is because we're getting married. Suggested I wisen up and get rid of my money. I paid for it mentality. She finally mentioned how bad this whole situation is making me look and said that her and her son had already made a number of compromises and chose to brush them off and to make it a weird hill to die on. <laughs> well, vegan hill. Lots of, uh, lots of verdant pastures there, obviously. She said not only her son is upset, but she and her family are well after hearing about it and suggested I disagree on the compromise and be done with it. The post drew more than 3,300 comments from Reddit users horrified at the story. For the love of God, don't marry this man. Is there a better way to start a marriage than making sure that the bride had nothing to eat on her wedding day? Do, do you think they had a, a, vegan, uh, a vegan wedding cake as well? Or did you think he insisted on like a, you know, full meat uh, with the trotters sticking out of the wedding cake? Are you sure you want to marry this man and his family? They have no respect at all for you. The wedding, the bride has just posted a second update and said that the talk didn't go well and the wedding had been called off. Realizing that my partner himself thinks it's okay to steamroll my options and decisions simply because he's prioritizing others and their opinions over me was really upsetting and not something that could be looked past. I gave him a, a back the ring and called everything off. I just couldn't envisage myself living in this hellhole, this abattoir, this abattoir of anxiety, having to walk on eggshells. Well, not eggshells because she's vegan. You wouldn't be walking on eggshells, maybe 
vegan eggs. Do vegan eggs have shells, I suppose? I don't know. Marriage is not about compromise. And here, he has nothing to lose. It chose to do this to me and my family. Good for you, said another comment. Marriage is about compromise and doesn't sound like your ex is interested in compromising or letting you have your say in things. You made the right decision. Your ex isn't ready to get married if he's going to resort to going behind your back regarding the food options. I wonder if him and his family got together and like went to a steakhouse and, uh, you know, to just bring one one sort of animal cadaver after another and let me just yeah, really like bite into the meat here and celebrate. A bit of confetti, it was chicken drumsticks scattered in the air. So I'm a big, big, big fan of Nordic Noir. That is a sort of detective shows coming from Scandinavia. And all the sort of barren lands and the icy coolness of Swedish and Norwegian and Icelandic uh, detective shows. I really like them, often along the coastline with wispy sort of uh, sea reeds, sandy beaches. It's sort of a bleakness about it, but a beautiful bleakness and, and, and obviously a lot of melancholy. I really like them. So one of my favorites, uh, looking on the Sundance Now channel, I saw new episodes of the show Visting. Visting or Visting, as it's, uh, as it's known. And this is guy, an age sort of a detective. I mean, this is a sort of not standard sort of trope as an age detective, slightly... Uh, Slightly rebellious, slightly maverick, going against the grain. Uh, but in this case, he, I believe he's Norwegian. So love this show. Watch the first two series and there's another one just popped up. But I, don't, I couldn't remember if I had actually seen it yet. So I started, started doing some Googling. Now, you have to be very careful when you're Googling Wisting. Because it looks and sounds like something else. And all sorts of things popped up. Well not really popped up they were inserted into things and my god how can you get that up your i mean i'm looking for this thing i tell you i'm looking for this thing i'm not looking for that i mean somebody you know it goes from hands to heads and you know big old bones and different tools going up there as well and I, I'm just looking for a detective show a Norwegian detective show I'm not looking for that you, you can put that up there no no I mean it was it was quite disturbing to say the least I'm, I'm, I'm slightly traumatized I needed a, a nice cup of uh, canamal tea to get over it and um, and you know you have to be careful because even if you put Wisting Norwegian then you get the uh, Scandinavian version of trying to fit as much up your backside as possible. A brown bear is rescued after getting high on hallucinogenic mad honey. A disorientated brown bear cub uh, believed to have achieved its peculiar glazed state by consuming excessive levels of mad honey has been rescued in northwestern Turkey. Video in the Yilkar district of uh, Duzki, Provence, shows the bear in a trance. Perched on the back of his trailer, she is reported to have whined and wobbled on Thursday as she sat at the back of a pickup truck after being rescued from the forest. She was also struggling for breath, poor thing. You know what a bear would... I, mean, I just imagine a bear with a sore head, like a, a bear after having a hallucinogenic trip the night before. How's that going to be feeling the next day? 
all sorts of coffees not going to rid the bear of that headache. The bear is gorged on a ford of rhododendron honey called Deli Bal in Turkish. It can have an hallucinogenic effect if consumed. Dozens of people a year in Turkey admitted to hospital for mad honey poisoning. I mean, you don't want to be like sitting around. I mean, you're sitting around a campfire, you know, with a jar of hallucinogenic rhododendron honey. And you're sticking, you know, you're sitting around there with a bear. You know, you, you're putting your, your, your paw in the honey pot, then passing it to the bear. And you're recalling rather odd stories from your life. The agriculture and forestry minister said our baby brown bear is exhausted and does give in good health and our teams continue their treatment. The cub was found in Yasinotis, a forestry, exclaimed that the villagers had seen a mother and her two cubs passing through the area the day before. He added, while we're carrying out our forest protection activities, we saw a bear cub on the ground in a lethargic state. The group was scared. They quickly realized that the cub was unwell. A forestry official said, our rangers found this ecstatic bear cub. He's had a little bit too much of the mad honey. I'm just wondering, though, if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about the honey, you're sitting around the campfire again, dipping your paws in the honey jar. I mean, is local honey, does it make you madder? Or, you know, does, does the rhododendron local honey, will that help you with allergies as well? Because I imagine if you're taking the mad honey, you're going to probably forget all about your allergies. As I'm watching my Nordic noir, my Wisting, you don't, again, don't Google Wisting. Is not worth the pain and suffering, but your your eyes can never forget those images. But as I'm watching my Nordic noir, my Wisting, I often watch it in bed, and uh, I've become I have a rather delicious sort of penchant recently for ginger biscuits, Demerara biscuits, full of ginger, full of the cane of raw Jamaican ginger. And to tell you that Jamaican ginger puts a pep in your step. You know, living alone after eating the Jamaican ginger, it makes you want to go and find your partner. That's what the ginger does. It's I don't know the ginger cane. If you if you if you're eating like extracted ginger cane, or sorry sugar cane, rather than uh, rather than beets. Imagine beets are probably not the most virile of vegetables. Although it's a dark it's a dark vegetable. It's meant to be very good for men. All dark vegetables and fruits. We'll talk about this maybe tomorrow. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah the, the sort of Jama- the Jamaican sugar cane, the extract of that, the, the firmness of a nice a, a, a nice steady cane, probably gives you that. Uh, as I said, that little uh, that little bit of uh, get up and go in the morning that you that you require. But the one thing about these Demerara ginger biscuits. There's so much sugar on them, and you start getting all of the sugar granules in the bed. I love some Demerara sugar, but those granules get absolutely everywhere. If you've had, you know, sandy crack, you don't want a sugary crack. But that 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 sometimes happens as well with the Demerara biscuits. All the sugar's falling off. You're not going to get all of it in your mouth. I mean, it's probably terrible, terrible for the teeth as well. But I'm rolling around. I'm sort of marinating the last few days. But I can't get all the Demerara sugar out of my bed. I'm rolling around and I'm marinating. I'm making myself into like a, a, a sweet and sour sort of pork loin over the last couple of days. There's so much sugar in the bed here. 
So with all the, all the delights and, uh, and, and positives that uh, ginger gives you, there's the negatives of being sugar-coated for the rest of the week. Climate activists in southern France have filled golf course holes with cement to protest against the exemption of golf greens from water bans amid the country's severe drought. The uh, group targeted sites near the city of Toulouse, calling the golf the leisure industry of the most privileged. The exemption of golf greens has sparked controversies. A hundred French villages are short of drinking water. Golf official, I mean, just ship in the Perrier for God's sake. A uh, golf course without a green is like an ice rink without ice, says Gerard Roguier of the French Golf Federation. He added that 15,000 people worked at the golf courses across the country. The recent action targeted courses in the towns of Ville-Toulouse and Blagnet. It also, it's claimed that the local branch of the Extinction Rebellion movement had been behind this. In a petition, the activists said the exemption showed the economic madness takes precedence over ecological reasons. While residents cannot drink their gardens or wash their carts in the worst hit municipalities, golf courses escape the nationwide restrictions. French don't drink water, though, do they? Just drink wine. Is du vin, du pain, and du boisson. The water bans have decreed nationally, but the enforcement is at the discretion of the regional officials. So far, one area, uh, ille vilaine in western France, has diverged banning the watering of golf courses. It'd be like British links, then, wouldn't it? The Green Mayor of the southeastern city of Grenoble, Eric uh, Piol, criticised the exemption, saying, We continue to protect the rich and powerful. Uh, as he was seen coming off the golf course and heading into the 19th hole. Some constraints on the golf course remain. Watering must be carried out at night with no more than 30% of the usual volume of water. Across the Loire Valley has virtually dried up. Across two-thirds of France, a state of crisis has been declared. And we could be using a bath water. Or could you, I mean, is it possible to pour all the excess wine from a yeah, not-so-vintage year on the greens and keep, I mean, like, give a reddish hue, though, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm completely, uh, yeah, I'm up for the task here because they filled up the uh, golf holes with cement. I'm up for the task of um, maybe taking a, uh, uh, you know, an old cassoulet pot, a chrysale, something like that, and sticking a, uh, a rather crusty baguette in there as a flag stick. I'm perfectly happy with that as long, you know, bring my own cheese along as well, a little bit of brie. Uh, maybe some gruyere or something. You could uh, make yourself some French onion soup as you're playing around. Perfect. One of my favourite sites on Twitter, Very British Problems Official. Absolute classics this week here. So firstly, I'll ask the question, who would win in a fight? Uh, number one, tea. Number two, roast potatoes. And uh, number three, ridiculous question. Uh, but, but people who follow Very British Problems uh, felt that roast potatoes, with their searing heat, their crispiness that could cause flesh wounds and probably pierce the tea bags and let all the tea leaves out, it's like a British game of uh, scissors, uh, scissor, stone, and paper. Rock, scissor, stone, isn't it? Is it rock? Rock, scissor, paper. Is it? I can't even remember the game here. But you've got the situation here of maybe tea versus roast potatoes. The crispness and searing heat of the roast potatoes would sear a hole in the tea bag, making all the bag and the tea leaves pour out. So roast potatoes would definitely win in a battle of the two of them. I, I, I truly believe that. Uh, here we have two word horror stories as well. Uh, eye contact. Lunch meeting. No biscuits. 
live chats, surprise party planned engineering, sing-along, conference call, signal failure, price cap, team building, energy bill, leadership race, unexpected item, oh, and the worst of all, microwave tea, meter reading, pop round, quick word, tax return. There, your two-word horror stories. <laughs> One of the questions, what's something you can say during sex, but also when you're making a cup of tea? Please don't squeeze the bag too hard. You should never squeeze a bag. Different tastes completely when you do. Would you like the bag in or out? What a lovely day on the... Good Lord. Quite strong and quite milky, please. Uh, uh, the milk goes in laugh. Do you want cream in it? Cream in tea? Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. Can I squeeze the bag for just a wee bit longer, please? And uh, two of my favourites. Best blow on it a bit, I think. Can you squeeze it between uh, uh, between the edges? I like mine black, white, strong or weak. As long as it's warm and wet, then I'm good. We like to keep you uh, up to date here and keep coming cauliflower cheese with breaking news. Uh, but this is the Prince Harry underwear saga takes an unexpected turn. Well, hopefully not a, like a twisted turn up his bottom or anything like that. Maybe he likes it. Anyway, a decade ago, Prince Harry, uh, Duke of Sussex, visited Las Vegas for a wild weekend. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas dominated the headlines. Prince Harry's trip had gone down as an iconic cultural moment in history, mainly for the events spicing up his family's pristinely royal image as he was shown mingling with women in the pool and dancing barefoot as raves. It was also the trip that caused a media explosion when photos of the Duke of Sussex in his birthday suit were leaked. While Prince Harry has reformed his image and now living in California happily with his wife Meghan and his two children. Uh, he's uh, spoken about his past in a 2014 cover story. Harry reflected, it was probably uh, a classic case of me being uh, too much, too much army and not enough prince. Simple as that. Now a certain item of the infamous Vegas trip is making its rounds again. Hopefully it's had a a wash since then. Nearly a decade ago after news broke that Prince Harry Duke of Sussex was partying in a Las Vegas hotel room, a memento of this highly publicised moment of his youth is now making a resurgence. A re is it resurgence or regurgence? Well, maybe. I don't know. Either is probably not particularly appropriate. Recently it was revealed that Prince Harry visited Las Vegas in 2012. He was gifted a pair of his black knickers to an adult entertainer who is now auctioning them off. TMZ reported the underwear started off at $10,000 bid and climbed to a whopping $250,000. That's not a case of uh, naming your price here, is it? Are they actually in an auction room and you have to put your hands up and or you know your newspaper up to say that you want to bid on on Harry's uh, underoos? Ah, oh dear. If you're wondering if the Royal is co-signed, it was announced that a portion of the proceeds will go towards Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's charity Archerwell. Though it may be seem like a sizable sum to most, bidding will continue until the end of September. You know, winter draws on and by golly you need them. The underwear was auctioned off at Larry Flint's Hustler Club in Las Vegas, of course. Uh, Prince Harry partied the night away back in uh, August 2012 and even Carrie Royal, the dancer who took the garment from Prince Harry's hotel room, she tells uh, uh, page six, Harry has become such a bore, it's a real shame. At least these pants are reminded when he used to be fun, as we reported a few weeks ago. But if you want to bid on ha Harry's undercrackers, you have until 
the end of September to, uh, to do so. Just in time for winter. Perfect Christmas present for the one you loved. But long has it been washed. I appreciate your patronage and listening to the podcast. Keep coming, Cauliflower Cheese Edition 215. If you like the podcast, though, if you like the podcast, then it's a very good idea. And I'll be wholeheartedly appreciative of you uh, clicking on like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify is an audio edition, Slacker Break, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Oh, there's so many of them to look at here. So many of them. Uh, Audible, you can have Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, absolutely everywhere. It's all, this podcast is heard in more places than, uh, than Harry's underwear gets around. Seriously. It, 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 that's, that's how widely available it is. I mean, it's as widely available as Harry's knickers. Anyway, if you like music, though, scattered, <laughs> scattered with this Knickers content, then uh, you're lucky because we have a podcast edition on Spotify, the Musical Emporium Butler edition, where there's bits of music, wonderful music tucked in between me. Yep, tucked and tucked and not tucked in tape, but tucked in between me. Such uh, wonders as Southern Threes, Prefab Sprout, Cars and Girls, Galveston. Uh, we also have some Jeff Goldblum. We have some classic, classic big band as well. Some Bjork, if you like your uh, Scandinavian shouting. Some Mariah Carey. Some uh, sugar-coated icebergs as well, like my sugar-coated body of Demerara sugar. Peter Sardstadt. Some Rod Stewart. I know, I tell you something. We have all the modern tunes on the Butler Emporium. Coming up next, we have a poem. August, silence again, the glorious symphony has need of pause, an interval of peace, some subtle signal bids, all sweet sounds cease, save hum of insects, aimless industry, pathetic summer, seeks by blazonry of colour to conceal a swift decrease, weak subterfuge, each mocking day doth fleece a blossom and lay bare her poverty, poor middle-aged summer, vain this show, whole fields of gold rod cannot offset one meadow, with a single violet, and well the singing thrush and lily know, spite of all artifice, her regret can deck in splendid guise their time to go. Though the pitch is covered for another day, much like at Lord's, but I will return before the close of the weekend with another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Oh, my hands may be ridden with blisters, but I have to go into my storage units and start packing things away as I move to a new Tappy Towers. Until next time, cheerio. How are you? Know your face ever so well. Donkeys are in love with carrots. Carrots aren't in love at all. Hee-haw, hee-haw. Listen to the loving call. Uh